Today for the message time, God put kind of a strange idea in my mind a couple, well, it's been probably a month ago now. And I had this idea to have fathers from our church speak about God as our father on Father's Day. And the way God gave this to me, I, I thought of several men in our church who really have what I would call a, a teaching gift. You know, they're always talking to me about scripture. They're always like, man, I was reading in my quiet time this week and God showed me this. And, there's, and then they have this awesome revelation or insight. And, uh, and, and these, these guys we're going to have shared today are always doing that. And, and God kind of showed me their faces. And so kind of the way I thought about it and what we're going to do is we're going to have three fathers from our church speak about God as our father on Father's Day. You see what we did there? It's Father's Day, fathers on Father's Day. And so I, I felt like the Lord just gave me these, these guys' names, these faces. And as it turns out, one of them is a, is a younger father. He has younger children. One of them is a father with uh, teenagers, college-age kids, uh, almost a grandfather. Uh, and then one of them has adult children and is a grandfather. And so if you would join me in welcoming these guys to the stage, and they're going to bring the message today. So guys, come on up. If you would join me in welcoming them. Okay. All right. Yes. Come on up. Have a seat. So you guys, if, you're, if you've been around residents for a while, if you're part of the Res fam, you probably recognize these guys. Um, and, and I just want to, to introduce them, and then, and then we'll just dive in. We have Caleb Hensley, um, Jonas Schwartz, and Craig Woodyard. And so they're going to be sharing with us today. And first up, we have Mr. Caleb Hensley. Would you guys welcome him? Thank you. Good morning, morning. to the church that will soon be formally known as Resonance. <laughs> As you said, my name is Caleb Hensley. Um, I have a lovely wife and three beautiful children and one on the way. Um, and I don't have time to make dad jokes, but let me assure you, I have plenty in my dad a base. <laughs> so today I want to share with you um, something God's put on my heart. And it's always been a part of my heart. Um, and I, I just want to communicate what I feel like the Father wants to communicate. It's just like... That Jesus, that God the Father is most expressly revealed in Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna, I'm going to go over some scriptures very quickly. Um, and all these scriptures are worth your time and in investing in and looking at and reading um, and meditating on. But I'm just going to very quickly move through them just to, to hammer home this point that is revealed in the word of God. So let's start. Um, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So that, is a, that, that text is so rich. And, and when we start out, it says, you know, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to us. But, but now, but now he has spoken to us through his son, by his son. And so it, it's almost like, okay, we had some things we know about God 
and things revealed about God, but now we have Jesus, who's the exact representation of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And so all of these things came before it are glimmers, they're shadows, they're aspects, there's, there's things that we don't quite see, but now we see, but now we see the Son, but now he's come, but now he's come to reveal who God is to us. Um, John 1 makes this point. So in John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it's talking about what was former, what was known. We had the law, we had the prophets, this came former, but now grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's almost like we didn't really know grace and we didn't really know truth until Jesus came. And so it goes on. It says, no one has ever seen God. Wait a minute. What have I thought about Moses or Isaiah or Jacob? Like, wait. But these are all things. These are, in comparison to those things, no one's ever seen God. You know, you had a picture, you had a, a glimmer, you had a shadow, but you never really truly saw God. So, but when Jesus, the, the one and only Son, who is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. So Jesus, who knows God and the Father, intimately acquainted, has seen him. He has revealed him. He has explained him. The word there is exegeomai, which means to exegete, to, uh, to make known. So Jesus has made known God the Father to us. So Jesus is basically what the Father has said about himself. <laughs> So if you don't know Jesus, you do not know the Father. So I, I you know, we, when we talk about Father and, and God and things like that, you know, there comes a whole host of things that we can think about. I mean, we, we've got religious ideas, we've got historical ideas, cultural ideas, and they all form in this mesh of, like, this concept of God. And many of us have different concepts of God. We've been influenced... You know, things like, you know, Father Time or Zeus um, or that stupid Bette Midler song, like God is watching us from a distance. Like, <laughs> that stuff. Like, <laughs> there's so many things that we kind of, like, carve out. And then, you know, even, even the relationship with our own fathers and how that influences how we perceive God and the Father. Um, but I, I just, I just want to appeal to you and think that, like, okay, Take everything you know about God and what you think about God and what you experience about God and actually think about it, form it in your mind, and imagine that depiction of God standing in front of you. And if that depiction of God standing in front of you does not look like Jesus Christ, then I would say that you have an incomplete and distorted picture of who God is. So, in John 14... When uh, Thomas asked Jesus, what is the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You don't know who God is. You don't know who the Father is. You don't know what's going on unless you know Jesus. 
unless he reveals him to you because he is the great revealer of God the Father. And he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, do you, do you know him and have seen him? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? It's like, Jesus is like, Philip, I like healed a bunch of blind people. Why didn't you tell me you were blind? <laughs> and... And then Jesus, he makes this statement that is just so profound. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. (laughs) How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells within me does his works. Believe, that, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. <laughs> so Jesus, is exp- he says, believe the works that I do, even if, it, even if you don't believe the Father, believe these works. And so we see that whatever Jesus was doing, I mean, in, in John five nineteen, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus did not have his gaze or affection or his, his sight on anything but the father. And I believe that if, in order to us to be conformed to the image of his son, we have to know the father. And we have to see what the Father's doing, and we have to obey what, what's happening, what he's, do, what he's showing us, what he's revealing to us. So Jesus is doing his works. Um, in Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So when Jesus was healing, when Jesus was ministering, when Jesus was freeing the oppressed, when Jesus was pouring out miracles and provision, when Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God, when, when Jesus was revealing the truths of God, all of this was a manifestation of the Father. So we can't say the Father is one way and Jesus is another way. We can't say Old Testament God, New Testament God. Because Jesus is the culmination. He is the supreme revelation of God to us. So everything we know about the Father comes through Jesus, because he's the Word. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you can't know the Father except through Jesus. And Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And he came to make him known. And so I believe the Father wants to restore relationships and even restore his image in your mind and in your heart. Because there's so many things that attack the image of God and our concept of God. And I, I believe that A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what you think about God. And so let Jesus show you who the Father is. Um, so 
And I, I think that the Lord, he, Jesus wants to show you who the Father is. So let's not stop at Jesus and be like, okay, I'm cool. Like, I'll just hang out with Jesus. It's like, Holy Spirit, he's really cool. He's comforter. It's great. The Father's over there. I think he might be angry with me. I'm not sure. But do not stop there. Because Jesus wants to show you his Father. And he wants the love that he has for Father, his Father in you. So that you love the Father the way he does. And so that the Father, you can actually experience the love of the Father the way the Father sees Jesus and loves Jesus. So Jesus, at the end of his, his prayer, his intimate prayer that we see in John 17, he says this. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love of which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So I'm going to pray that the Father reveals these truths through his Son to you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to show us the way that he is the truth of who you are. That we have been, we've been given entrance into your place where you are, to the throne of God. And we can come boldly before your throne. So thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us. And thank you, Father, for calling us your sons and daughters. I ask that you would open our hearts to receive your love and that we would receive the love of Jesus for you and receive the love in which you love Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Next up, we have Jonas Schwartz. I, you know, I think some of those guys over there were like, oh, man, that's what I was going to say. So the, I think they were adjusting their notes over there. Um, just kidding. No. I'm excited about what Jonas has to share. He's been serving on our ministry team for quite a while now. So, Jonas, speak to us about the Father. Repeat this after me. Our Father, our Father. which is in heaven, is in hallowed be your law. Oh, wait. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your glory. Oh, wait. Let's try it again. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your love. Now, let's try it one more time. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah. Years ago, I went to visit a man and have a conversation with a man that was... Uh, very religious, and I was telling him that I know I'm a child of God, and he said, you cannot know you're a child of God. You can only hope that he was good enough to accept you in the end. And the Holy Spirit took over my mouth, and I spoke things I'd never thought of before. I grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer from before I can remember. I was taught that prayer. And I said, what do you say when you pray every day? And he just looked at me, and I said, you say, our Father, which is in heaven. I said, your son here calls you daddy, but he turns around and tells me, I'm not really sure if he's my daddy. I said, you're a hypocrite. How do you think father feels in heaven when you call him our father every time you pray? You just look at me blatantly and say, I don't know if I'm a son or not. Yeah. And then Jesus, in Luke 11, 
the disciples came to Jesus and said, John taught his disciples to pray. Would you teach us to pray? And then in Matthew 6, Jesus said, pray in this manner. And he started with our Father. The concept of a direct relationship that doesn't depend on our works has always been a blasphemy to the religious mindset. And in Luke, they were trying to crucify Jesus. They couldn't get testimony. So in Luke, they said, they said, tell us, are you the Messiah? And he replied, I tell you, but you wouldn't believe me. And if I ask a question, you wouldn't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at a place of power at God's right hand. And they all shouted, so you are claiming to be the Son of God. And he said, you say that I am. And they said, why do we need more witnesses? We all heard him say it. He blasphemed. The, he bla- was blaspheming. And to make ourselves equal with Jesus is just blasphemous. I mean, I was accused of that many times when I would witness the people and say, I know I'm a child of God. Well, you're making yourself equal with Jesus. But Jesus said this. He said, Let's focus on two words that Jesus said. He said, our father. He said, our. He didn't say, my father. And then you come to me. Then we go, you know, he said, our father. Hebrews 2, 1 says, so now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 17 says, since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs with God's glory. Remember that word glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father, which means daddy. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are an heir of child, God has made you. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Then in John 17, Jesus, Jesus prayed to the Father for us. He said, I have given them the glory that you've given me so they may be one. As you and I are one. I'm in them, they are in me. May they experience the same perfect unity that the world will know that you were sent to me. That you sent me, that, I, that your love them. As much as you love me. The word glory just means dignity, glorious, and honor. The same dignity and glory and honor that the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to us. And I was like, okay, what did, when did God do that? Well, God did it when Jesus was baptized and said, This is my dearly beloved Son, in whom I, which brings me great joy. That same glory that God spoke over, that the dignity and honor that God spoke over his son before Jesus did any ministry, Jesus gives to us. That same dignity and honor as a child with him, heirs. And the result of this truth about how I feel about, my father feels about me, does not make me arrogant. The very realization of this truth brings humility. The result is if the father can have that opinion, that good opinion of me and my imperfections, then I will extend that same grace and, and love and honor to those around me. And it brings unity so we can be one as the Father and I are one because the Father had a good opinion of Jesus Christ because he was his son, not because of what he did. And we need to get it through his heart. And now let's work, look at the word hallowed. I was shocked when I looked at this word because we always, most translations say the word holy. It simply means to make holy, purify, consecrate, or mentally to venerate. The word venerate means to regard with great respect or revere. We need to hallow the name Daddy, the name Father. That's how we approach Him. But I was surprised to find that word, is, that Greek word is used 24 times in Scripture outside of the Lord's Prayer. And every time 
is the word sanctify or some derivative of it. We are sanctified. God sanctifies us over and over. It's a done deal. God hallows us the way we hallow his name. That is a good opinion. He, the word hallowed just means with great respect, to regard with great respect. And that must, doesn't make me arrogant. It doesn't make me proud. It simply brings me to my knees because regardless of what I had done or I'm doing, when I believe in his son, yeah, since he did not even spare his own son but gave himself up for us, wouldn't he give us everything else? We simply because we're his children, not because we're trying to do everything right. Come on. He loves us the way he loves Jesus. That is that was hard for us to grasp. That God loves us with the same love he loves Jesus. Why is it so important for us to grasp this truth? And Proverbs 17, 6 says, Children's children, our grandchildren, are the crown of old men. And I can attest to that. I'm a grandpa. My, cho- my grandchildren are my pride and joy. You touched them, buddy. You've, yeah, listen. <laughs> and then the last part of that verse is, And the glory of children are the fathers. Children look up to somebody. And how we look up to our fathers, to our Father in heaven. Now, I remember growing up, I grew up in a family that was very, my dad's favorite saying to tell his sons, shoulders back, chin up, and remember who you are. We were a family that wouldn't say, I'm sorry, wouldn't say, I love you, wouldn't say, please, wouldn't say, thank you. We were men who were tough. And I wanted to be like my dad. So when I was 18, I would, I would brag to people, the only emotion I'll ever show is anger. And so that's just, we live up to the image that we have of our father, the glory of our father. Of the children is the father. And if we think that God is just a God of punishment, and that word punishment is interesting, it means retribution. Punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. Word is not found with God dealing with people. The word chastisement is, I know a lot of new translations, and I read new translations, I'm against, and I read 13 different translations probably, so. The word chastisement is used punishment a lot, but it has a different Greek word, and it means tutorage, education or training, disciplinary correction or instruction or nurture. And I'm going to try to make this quick, but if we punish our children, if we think God is punishing us, he's just waiting for us to cross the line where we do something wrong, then he's going to get us, or pay, make us pay for what we did. Or he, we can see our Father's heart that when we get to a point where we're going to hurt ourselves or those around us and destroy ourselves, he gently disciplines us and brings us back for future behavior, not for something we did, but to make us, to bring us into more alignment with him. I was driving down the road and this voice just came to me and says, you're a be- child, not a beggar. Why aren't you living like it? And I realized that every time I prayed, I was asking and begging and pleading with God. I was a beggar. I did not just walk in his presence as my father and claim what he promised me as a child, as an heir with Jesus Christ. And that's not just heaven. That's everything here on earth. <laughs> so let's, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Because I'm a child, Jesus didn't say to ask for anything. And I know that sounds crazy, but he said, Because I'm a child, your kingdom will come on earth like it is in heaven for me. Your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as in heaven through me as a child. 
you will provide for me. Provide, give me this day or daily bread. It's not a begging. It's simply a statement. The provider. You will forgive me as I forgive others. That's the only one that Jesus picked up on later because he's not saying that, well, if you can't, it's works. You have to forgive so I can forgive. No, he's saying that's a check. If you can't forgive others, you really don't have my heart yet. You will forgive others as I forgive you. You will lead me through temptations and I will come out victorious. You will deliver me from the evil one. Why? Because it's all him. him. To him is the power, the glory, the kingdom, the power and glory forever and ever. It's all him. It's nothing I've done. It's because of his opinion towards me because I believe in this Jesus that revealed him to me. Um, there's a lot of quotes of Mother Teresa online, and these are three that really spoke to me. The way to, to heal the world is to start with your own families. And as fathers, we have to understand our father's heart so we can lead our families in that way. And then lead our grandchildren that way. Peace and war start within one's own home. If you really want peace for the world, let us start by loving one another within our own families. Sometimes it's hard for us just to smile at one another. And the last one is one that really... If you want to change the world, fathers, go home and love your families. So this is Craig Woodyard, and I just want to highlight, <laughs> if you want to change the world, go home and love your families. That's a, that's a good word for today. This is Craig. He also serves on our ministry team. Um, and so, by the way, these guys will be available when the service is over, too, if you want prayer and, and whatnot. But this is Craig, and he's going to wrap it up for thank us. Thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you to Pastor Aaron and Erica for allowing me to speak today. It means the world to me, and I appreciate it. To me, this is the most position in the world, the pulpit that preaches the truth. And Pastor Aaron, Erica, you guys are doing amazing work in our community. Thank you. So... Yeah. I was trying to speak before the applause. I only got a few minutes. <laughs> so, uh, so pastor asked us to speak on God is our father. So as I was in prayer for that, what can I say? God began to open up things to me, and he took one of the most familiar scriptures ever. Um, those that proclaim to be Christians know this scripture. Those that probably don't proclaim to be a Christian know this scripture. But he showed me through the lens of this study and as the lens of God is our father, and through an, a, an event that just happened in my life, it just opened it up in a, a whole new way. And I'm going to focus when I get to that scripture down a little bit into, into this word. Um, I'm going to focus on two words where God really just uh, revealed some things to me. So does anybody know the scripture? John 3.16. <laughs> so, so John 3.16, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me pray. God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I just depend on your anointing, Lord, to give this word, Lord, that I believe that you gave to me today. Uh, anoint the people to hear. Holy Spirit, just have freedom in this house today, Lord. Lord, I give you all the praise, honor, and worship, and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And for me personally, this is a very tough day. 
Um, I lost my father to a battle of cancer um, in September of 2020. He was diagnosed with colon cancer, and but the the, the doctors said everything that they expected to be pretty well because it was all contained to one small area. The doctors went in, did surgery, and then through the procedure, they removed 13 lymph nodes. That's just common practice, and one of the lymph nodes had a trace of cancer. So they asked uh, my dad what he wanted to do, and he said, well, what should I do? And they said, we recommend chemo for six months. And they said, again, we, got, we feel like we got all this cancer, six months of chemo, you should be good to go. So my dad went through the first six months round of chemo, and then when he went back to the doctor for his checkup, the doctor said, I'm dumbfounded. He said, cancer is literally spread through your whole body into his liver, his lungs, stomach, and some other places. So my dad uh, went through more chemo, and he just kept that, he kept that up and uh, was coming to church and, you know, getting prayer. And uh, all along, my dad was never really sick through the whole thing. He just, he fought it like a champ, did everything that he was told, and never gave up. He had full faith that he was going to beat this thing, as I did too as his son. Um, but then, I guess two months ago, we got those words that you never want to hear. And that was, there's nothing else we can do for you. So they basically sent him home to pass. Um, it, from that day on, he just rapidly went, went downhill quickly. So just who my dad was as my earthly father. My, my dad, was, he was just incredible. A lot of you all knew him. It seems like he knew everybody. But he was just, just the lovingest the man that you would ever want to meet. He was a provider. He was a hard worker. He just, uh, he was a family man, loved my, my sister and I, my mom and the grandkids and just wherever you went, my dad was like the central focus. He was, he was everything. And uh, so it was just very difficult when we did lose him. And like I said, he fought the whole thing and never really appeared sick. But that last month of his life, each day was just worse and worse and worse and worse. And as my family, my kids were all witnessing this. It seems like every one of the kids came to me, every one of our family members, my sister, and they, had, they kept saying three words, it's not fair, it's not fair. And me, I just felt like my place was to be the strong one for the family, so I would just tell them, hey, God makes, makes no mistakes, God knows what he's doing, his ways are higher than our ways, so just trust God, trust him, know that he makes no mistakes. But I got to admit, and I didn't share this with my family, those words, it's not fair, I heard them mainly loudest in my own head, and it was my own voice. And I kept saying, it's not fair. And I said, God, my dad loved so big, it's not fair. He was loved by so many, it's not fair. There's so much bad in this world, and he's so good, it's not fair. He's, he's supposed to be a grandpa longer. It's not fair. He's about ready to be a great grandpa. It's not fair. And then I said, God, you know, who am I supposed to call? I called my dad for everything. It's just not fair. Who am I supposed to call and complain about, about the Reds? It's not fair. And the one that got me the worst was, I said, God, I've done 52 years with this man. How am I supposed to do 30 more without? It's not fair. I said his healing hasn't come, that we, we had so much faith that his healing was going to come here on earth. It's not fair. 
it's not fair. But that's when God stepped in. That's when God flipped the script on me. And he said, son, let me show you what truly is not fair. So when you take the, the word of God, the Bible, and if you had to boil it down into three categories, which I don't like to do, it's a complex book. I'm not trying to do any injustice to it. But if you had to boil it down into three categories, I would boil it down into this. Creation, the fall, and then redemption. So in the beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve was created with fellowship with God. They walked with God daily. They were in perfect communion, fellowship with God. And that's how we were all supposed to live. We were all supposed to live with that fellowship forever. But God gave Adam and Eve one thing. He gave them free will. He did not make them robotic. He did not make them to where they couldn't sin. They had that free will and they had one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, Satan steps in, and Satan does what he does best. He kills, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he stepped in, and he deceived, and they, they fell. So they sinned. They rebelled against God. And we're all, we're, now we're all born into that. We're all born into that original sin. So that fellowship is no longer there. That sin created a separation. That sin created a separation. But God was at work. An omniscient God, an all-knowing God. He knew that we were going to fall. He knew that we were going to rebel. So the, before the foundations of the world, the Bible tells us that the, the lamb was slain. And that's just a picture of the cross. He knew what it was going to take to redeem the ones that he loves most, which is everyone in this room. He knew what it was going to take. And First Peter, you can read it for yourself. I don't have time to get into it. First Peter chapter 1 talks about the cross before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 talks about it. So he knew what it was going to take. And why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because he knew that that's what it was going to take to redeem us, his prized possession, us, because he loved us so much. And this is where God began to show me some things that I spoke about through John 3.16 in a whole new light, in a, in a looking at it through the lens of God as our Father. That word, when it says... For God so loved the world that he gave. That gave means he gave his son. What did he give his son to do? To die on that rugged cross for us. Because see, friend, we had a debt that we could not pay. We could not pay it. We were born into sin. We could not live a perfect life. Because it would take a perfect sacrifice to, to redeem us, to claim us back to him. And that's what Jesus, Jesus did. So when he gave, think of the cross. When you read that famous scripture, think of Gabe and look at the cross because that's what it's a picture of. And what that is, it's a picture of grace. It's a gift. And how do we, how do we obtain it? We obtain it, we, we receive it. But how do we receive it? We receive it by believing it. We receive it by believing it. So then when I looked at loved and, 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 and the, and the, and the uh, scripture, for God so loved the world, and I started thinking, I told the story about my dad, because it segues into this. I know my dad loved me. We had a relationship like you would not believe. I know that he loved me. But I think, I think I can say that my dad would not let me die for any of you all here. Not one of you. I don't think he would. 
Now me, as a father, as a dad, as I look at some of my kids here, I know, I know that I can say I would not allow any of them to die for any of you all here. I love you all, but I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But what did, what did God do? What did our Heavenly Father do? He loved us all so much. He loved you, my brother. He loved you. He loved you. He loved you. He loved you. He loved me. He loved us so much that he gave up his son to die on that cross for us, to redeem us, to pay the price that we could not pay. And I just thank the Lord so much for it. And again, how do we obtain it? We must receive it. It's a free gift. And how do we receive it? By believing it. By believing it. So if you would, at this time, I would like everyone to please bow their heads and close their eyes. Holy Spirit, move on the hearts of your people. I believe God's telling me to tell you that he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done, the way you've lived, anything that you've done. Nothing was bad enough that his precious blood will not cover. He thought that you were worth dying for because he loves you. But you must make the choice. We can have that eternal fellowship which was designed for us from the beginning. But if we do not make the right choice, we will have eternal separation in a place called hell that is real. And know, my friend, that we are not promised tomorrow. We must be ready. We must be ready with our choice. And I just ask you, are you ready, my friend? Talking about my dad, his dad. So my grandpa, he was a mighty man of God. On some, September 25th, 1983, he was speaking behind a pulpit just like I am. And the last thing he said at that pulpit was, he said, if God is willing to take me, if he's ready to take me, I am ready. I am ready. He walked back to his seat. My grandma patted him on the back, and he went down. The doctor said he had a massive heart attack. He was dead before he hit the ground, but he was ready. Are you ready, my friend? My dad, which did not want to die, he wanted to stay here longer. But days before he died, he grabbed my sister and I, and he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So now I know my dad's saved. I know all the promises are fulfilled. I know he's cancer-free. I know he's in glory today, worshiping Jesus. So God's promises are true. Sometimes they just don't come in our timing when we want them. So my dad said he was ready. Are you ready, my friend? I'm going to ask you a, a simple question and just to raise your hand. And the question is, are you ready? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I will not embarrass you. At the end of this, we will all say a prayer together. And, and I got, got wrote my notes, Pastor, saw a little bit of my thunder, but just like the prodigal son, when the father saw him afar off, when he sees you afar off with that hand raised high, he's going to be running to you. He will come running to you. So I ask you if you want to make Jesus and have eternal fellowship forever and ever and ever with God, please slip your hand up. Yes, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Holy Spirit's moving. Thank you. You can lower your hands. So I want to tell you that Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus on the third day, you shall be saved. This is not about just a confession with our mouth. This is a heart thing. This is a heart transformation. He knows your heart and he believes your heart. So what I'm saying is words alone will not save you, but your heart will save you. With the words we confess, with our heart we believe. So I just ask everyone in this room, repeat after me. And again, say it, but believe it. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for the things I've done, the way I've lived. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me and wash me from all unrighteousness. I confess the Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. At this moment, I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and the Savior of my soul. And according to God's word, which cannot lie, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I am saved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm allowed to look because I'm the pastor, all right? And I saw, I counted 17 hands that went up. So praise God, praise God, praise God. Jesus is the image of our father. If, if you think God looks anything other than Jesus, your image of, of God is, is wrong. As Caleb preached to us, as Jonas shared with us, we share the same position as Jesus. We are a beloved child, a co-heir with Christ. And God so loved you and me that he gave Jesus for us. That's the Father's love to us today. And so I just feel led to, to do a little ministry time and invite you up if you want to receive from the Father today. And so would you guys stand, stand with us if you want to put some, some prayer music on as we close today? And I'm just going to do an invitation. In fact, I want to invite our ministry team up front to line the front. And guys, if you want to go down and, and get ready to pray over some people, and I'll be making my way down there too. And I just want to invite you up here. Um, if you just want the Father's blessing, if you want to be filled with the Father's love, um, if you need physical healing in your body, we want to invite you up. If you raise your hand, we would love to just bless you and pray over you. In fact, if you did raise your hand, I want to tell you your next step with Jesus is baptism. If you've never been baptized in water before, uh, we want to help you take that step with Jesus. So shoot us an email, hello at Church, and uh, we can help set you up with that. You can also register on our website. Uh, there's a registration for baptism there. But the Lord will also baptize you in his spirit. <laughs> and uh, that's, a, that's another blessing from the Father that Jesus purchased 
uh, for us. And so if you want to receive a filling of the spirit, come on up. We want to we want to pray that over you. Um, If you're not feeling yourself today, if you feel depressed, anxious, worried, fearful, angry, whatever the thing is, maybe you're wrestling with some something in your life, maybe a, a relationship with your father that wasn't that great. Maybe you're wrestling on Father's Day with with some issues of fatherhood and you just need prayer. I want to invite you to come up. I, I want to invite you to come up. And so uh, I'm just going to say a prayer. And, and I, in fact, I'll, I want to invite you to come up right now if you want some ministry. That way you're not salmon swimming upstream when we dismiss here in a minute. So come on up. Don't be shy. That's a broad invitation. Uh, so come on up. Come on up. Make your way up here. Be brave, be strong, be courageous. Yes, God. Yes, God. As you're making your way up, I want to pray for those who are coming up. I just want to pray over them. God, I just thank you for these people responding to your heart right now, to your spirit right now. God, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come in this place in a powerful way, Lord. Fall on your people, God. God, I pray the Father's love, a filling of the Father's love for everybody in this room. God, I confess that there's times that I don't, I don't love my own children, my family, this church, like you love them. God, my love is imperfect. I need your love. God, we need you to fill us with your love. So just fill us right now. If you want to receive the Father's love, just put your hands out in front of you and just say, fill me, God. Fill me, God. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love for, your, for my family, for my spouse, for my kids. Fill me with your love for this church. Fill me with your love for people who are lost and broken. Fill us with your love today, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for purchasing our salvation and every spiritual blessing in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for making the way to the Father for us. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your Holy Spirit to be in us, to be among us. Thank you, Jesus, for sending angel armies, ministering spirits to minister to us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus today. We lift him up today. The way, the truth, and the life, the image of the Father, the exact representation of the Father, the fullness of God in the flesh. We exalt the name of Jesus today. And by Jesus, through Jesus, we say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. (laughs) Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give each one this day the daily bread they need, God. Forgive us our sins, God. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Whoo, God, help us forgive. Oh, God, unforgiveness holds back so much. So help us forgive, God. Help us forgive anyone who's wronged us. I just feel like there's some forgiveness that needs to be unleashed in families today. In families today. There there might be some fathers here who need to do what I did this last week. I gathered the kids up and I said, guys, I just want to apologize for any time that I've disciplined you in a way that was that was excessive or any way that I've, you know, time I've lost my temper and yelled at you. Anytime you maybe did do something wrong, but I I I I yelled at you or I did something that 
that may have hurt your feelings in a greater way than than what was necessary. I'm sorry, do you guys forgive me? And then we pray together. And I just feel like there needs to be some forgiveness unleashed. Some kids forgiving parents, some parents forgiving kids, some spouses forgiving each other to make way for the Father's love. And so God, we thank you for that. Just unleash forgiveness in this place. Unleash your love in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Last thing I want to say, I I saw this picture of fathers in this place. I know it's Father's Day and the temptation is to think, um, it's my day off. (laughs) People serve me, but the men are the leaders. And so I want to say to the fathers in the room, I had this picture and I want to challenge you to do this. I just felt like the Lord was saying to bless your family today. And if you're new to church, new to God, um, it's very simple. All you, all you have to say is, I bless you in Jesus's name. I bless you. So if, if, if you want to take up that challenge today, I would say even before you leave this room, lay your hand on your wife's shoulder and say, I bless you today in Jesus name. Put, when you get your kids out of rest, kids, put your hand on their, their furry little heads and just say, I bless you today in Jesus name. Bless your kids. Bless your spouse. Bless your family today, dads, and be blessed In Jesus' name, you are loved, and so you can love with the love of Jesus, our Father. Amen?